Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror, pop culture related. So go check them out right now for everything you want to know. Interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, retrospectives, introspectives, all sorts of fun stuff. So go check it out while you're listening to this episode of the podcast. Now, last week, we went over the beginnings of Jason Voorhees and his reign of terror on the town of Crystal Lake. More importantly, his reign of terror on Camp Crystal Lake and the counselors associated with said location. We ended last week's episode on Tommy Jarvis and his friend Alan Hawes attempting to desecrate the corpse of Jason Voorhees only for an accidental metal fence post to be lodged into Jason's chest. Lightning struck, and Jason was ultimately resurrected. This is Jason Voorhees, part two. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Once that fateful lightning bolt struck, that oddly specifically placed, yet randomly placed, fence post, Jason rose from the grave. His previously rotted and decomposing corpse suddenly shot up from the six-foot grave from which he was buried. Tommy, being intelligent, ran for his life. However, his friend Alan Hawes was not so lucky. He was caught in Jason's grasp and ultimately killed. His act of heroism, however, may live on yet still. Now, whether or not Jason remembers Tommy as a boy is another story, but regardless of his memory of the events from years prior, Jason pursued Tommy. For whatever reason, Tommy decided to bring Jason's hockey mask. You know, that infamous goalie mask with the red arrow? Well, I suppose it was part of a complete burning process, and Tommy wanted to rid that of the world as much as he wanted to rid Jason. However, they never got the chance. And it just so happened that Jason spotted the hockey mask and donned it one more time. Reports have it that Jason did make his way back to Camp Crystal Lake, although it was renamed Camp Forest Green after all these years. After all, nobody wanted to associate with Camp Crystal Lake anymore after what the Voorhees, Vorhi? Voorheeses? What Jason and his mom did back in the early 80s. Jason's journey was not uneventful. No, he traveled on foot killing everyone he encountered. He eventually did reach the camp and killed the two active counselors on site. And like I said, he already murdered three on his trek there. Just when Jason was about to strike the children, he was distracted by something though, something off in the distance. It was Sheriff Michael Garris and two other officers who came to investigate. However, with the lack of communication between the three of them and no communications coming from the camp, they walked into a trap, something they could not ever fathom. Jason easily killed off the officers, but he did struggle briefly with the sheriff, but in the end did manage to finish him off as well. Now you'd think that would satisfy Jason's bloodlust, but no, unfortunately not. After killing Garrus and his two officers, Jason attacked his daughter and the only remaining counselor alive, Megan, but was lured away from her into the lake by Tommy. Yes, Tommy came back to rescue, once again, everybody involved 
in this plot. Jason, presumably remembering what Tommy had done to him in the past, attempted to drag Tommy out of the boat and into the water. However, Jason was set on fire and then chained to the bottom of the lake by young Tommy Jarvis, who still managed to drown. Struggling to free himself, Jason tried dragging Megan under as well, but she swam out to save Tommy, but was left paralyzed when the girl used the detached motor of Tommy's boat to cut into his neck, breaking it. Megan successfully resuscitated Tommy, leaving Jason trapped at the bottom of the lake in his watery grave. It's almost as if everything came full circle. Jason, as a child, supposedly drowned in Camp Crystal Lake. However, he didn't. He managed to survive when he was a young boy, only to come back and rampage through the town that wronged him, only for him to be trapped once again at the bottom of that infamous lake that started this entire crime spree. Jason spent seven years underwater. However, that did not stop Jason from attempting to murder some more. The seemingly unkillable beast nearly drowned a 13-year-old named Rennie Wickham when the girl was pushed into the lake by her uncle, who was trying to teach her how to swim. The whole trial by fire tossed somebody into the deep end to see if they float, essentially, and it almost backfired. Seeing Jason awoken something within Rennie, she had some latent empathic abilities, and she barely escaped Jason's grasp, but the encounter left her haunted for years to come, becoming aquaphobic. She's afraid of water, which I totally get. I've mentioned before on this podcast that I personally have a giant fear of water for no apparent reason other than I almost drowned about five times before I was like six years old, but that's another story. It was around a few years later that we got some weird reports of a young girl named Tina Shepard. It's believed that Tina had psychic abilities. Whether these claims are true or not is a little bit up in the air. It's unsubstantiated. However, she does believe that when she was a child, she murdered her father accidentally by using her powers. So as a teenager, Tina decided that she wanted to try to raise her father from the dead, bring him back and right the wrongs that she caused years earlier, at least in her mind anyway. However, when she did this, she accidentally and unknowingly awakened and released Jason from his watery grave. Upon seeing the meandering beast crawl from the depths of Camp Crystal Lake, Tina was shocked, to say the least, and she passed out. This caused Jason to completely ignore her, and he began wandering the Camp Crystal Lake area once again, and it wasn't long before Jason returned to killing, slaughtering his way to the shepherd home and to the house next door, which several teenagers had rented for a birthday party. Jason slaughtered the teens, as well as Tina's mother and her doctor. Jason ultimately faced off against Tina, where her telekinetic powers, or her supposed telekinetic powers, matched his raw power. Again, the only reports we have from this are from Tina herself, who does come off as a little bit of a mentally unstable patient. So whether the encounter happened the way she said or not is, well, it's still up in the air. Nevertheless, the encounter between Tina and Jason destroyed both houses, and Tina and Jason's supposed battle reached its climax on the dock of Camp Crystal Lake, where Tina, using her powers, did indeed resurrect her father, who dragged Jason off the dock and chained him once again to the bottom of the lake. Once again, 
We have no proof of this happening other than Tina's word. It was a full year before anybody had even thought of Jason Voorhees in any sort of capacity. However, when a passing boat dropped anchor and severed Jason's underwater restraints, he rose again. Jason boarded the yacht and murdered the two teenage lovers aboard, gaining a new hockey mask from the boy to replace the one Tina had destroyed during their fight. Jason drifted aimlessly, and the yacht brought Jason to the SS Lazarus, a cruise ship which was taking the graduating class of Lakeview High School to New York. Climbing aboard the ship, Jason set about killing the entire crew and most of his students, his presence causing the now 18-year-old Rennie Wickham to be plagued by visions of Jason's younger self. Starting a fire by throwing a student onto a control panel, Jason caused the Lazarus to sink, drowning everyone still aboard. Having seen Rennie, her classmates Sean Robertson and Julius Gaw, and teachers Colleen Van Dusen and Charles McCulloch escape in a lifeboat, Jason followed them to New York, either swimming or walking on the watery sea floor. Again, at this point, it's uncertain how Jason survives all this time underwater, being stabbed, having houses fall on him, but it's something that is warranted for an investigation, no doubt. He eventually did catch up to the group in Manhattan, and Jason pursued them, as he does, stalking like the mindless, bloodthirsty killer that he is. Sadly, Julius was his first victim. After being stalked to the streets long enough, Jason caught up and killed him. He also killed Charles and anyone else in his way. Jason seemed to be fixated on Rennie and Sean to a lesser extent. Unfortunately, Colleen died in a car accident. He chased Rennie and Sean through Times Square, a subway, a diner, and into the sewers, and eyewitness reports confirm this series of events. Jason eventually cornered the two, knocking Sean out and killing the sanitation engineer who had been guiding him and Rennie through the tunnels. Chasing Rennie, Jason was horribly burned when the girl threw an oil canister of toxic waste onto his face, causing it to melt. Tearing his smoldering mask off and blindly stumbling after Rennie, Jason grabbed her leg when she and Sean tried to climb out of the sewer, Sean who had been awoken moments earlier. But before he could pull her down, he was caught in a wave of sludge that rushed through the tunnels and was melted down as Sean and Rennie, who hallucinated Jason as a child one final time, according to her report, escaped through a manhole. What happened to Jason after being washed away by the sludge is a little unknown, though he did eventually make his way back to Crystal Lake with his hockey mask fused to his face due to the toxic waste. In July 2003, an undercover FBI agent by the name of Elizabeth Marcus stopped by a cabin in the campgrounds, only to be chased into the woods. Marcus led Jason into an ambush where FBI agents had riddled him with hundreds of bullets and blew him apart with a grenade. Jason's remains were sent to the federal morgue in Youngstown, Ohio. There, Jason supposedly possessed the coroner who examined him by hypnotizing him into eating his disembodied heart. With his new body, Jason killed the assistant coroner and a pair of FBI agents left to guard the morgue and began to make his way to Crystal Lake to instinctively seek out his half-sister, Diana Kimball, who he intended to possess in order to fully resurrect himself. Again, this is all speculation, 
What we know for sure is that Jason was blown to bits. The other parts of it with his supposed possessing of the corner and other bodies is all up in the air. Most believe it to be a psychosis of sorts. The doctor, or the coroner, snapping at the sight of Jason. Perhaps he had some connection. Perhaps he was a fan of Jason over the years and wanted to relive or reenact what he had done in the past. The fact that people believe that Jason possessed the bodies of other people is a little absurd. I'm not gonna lie. Nevertheless, the story continues. His rampage, or the rampage I should say, lasted for about five days. He claimed nine more victims before he finally reached his home at Crystal Lake. The rest of the story here is a little absurd. It has to do with Jason trying to find his half-sister, or whoever's half-sister Diana Campbell is, and going on a murder spree with a worm-like soul? I'm unsure of the validity of these claims. There were some people who witnessed it, some people with validity to their name as well. However, I just can't get behind the theory that Jason, well, came back from the dead as a worm and began to inhabit other people's bodies. The most likely scenario here is, like I said, a mass psychosis. Also, you have to remember that Jason was washed away by toxic sludge, the effects of which could have an adverse effect on people who came in contact with it. That is what I think happened here. Some sort of radiation sickness or toxic shock syndrome or something along those lines causing these people to hallucinate what they believed to be Jason in his worm form jumping from body to body. I just can't believe that to be true. The effects of Jason Voorhees on other people is astonishing. Think about other serial killers. People become in awe of Ted Bundy or John Wayne Gacy and other people want to be like them. Look no further than Charles Manson, who convinced a handful of people to do his bidding and murder people. These people have an aura about them, a sense of intrigue that others are just drawn to. And I believe that's the case here with Jason. I don't believe that he possessed anybody, but I believe that people believe Jason possessed other people. Regardless, killing in the name of Jason continued for some time. Nevertheless, after the supposed rampage of the spirit of Jason, he spent many, many years away, just vanished. However, some would believe that Jason wandered his own personal hell for a very long time. Some believe it was a Camp Crystal Lake recreation. Others believe it was just a fever dream of a comatose Jason Voorhees, even though his body was never to be seen. It was supposedly dragged to hell by a familiar face. Or should I say, a familiar glove. It's not too often that we get two serial killers working together. However, it's not entirely unheard of. You have the Menendez brothers, or the Ken Barbie killers, also known as Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. So teams aren't completely, like I said, unheard of. They have existed in the past. And when Jason met Freddy, well... Things went down, but that's a story for next week when we continue our look at Jason Voorhees. My name is Casey and this is the Ominous Origins Podcast. Thank you once again for listening.
please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a review on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash horrorshots. Any five-star reviews will be read out on the show, so it's a great way to get a shout-out. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter as well, at horrorshotsprod, as in production, or on Instagram, at ominousoriginspod. Thank you once again, and we will be back next week with some more Jason, and maybe a little bit of Freddy as well. Until then.